When I die, while I'm alive, it's a new episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast for September the 21st, 2023. No, it's not going to be morbid. It's not even going to be depressing, or at least I hope not. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Coming to you from Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. I'm glad you clicked play. By the time our conversation is over, my hope is that you will be glad you clicked play. It was back uh, in March of 2011. I did some video recordings that I just fired up a webcam. I was sitting here one day and thought, I'm going to, I'm going to record some things. I'm just going to go back as far as I can remember. And I'm just going to start and I'm just going to, I didn't outline anything. I just started talking and I recorded this using a webcam and I did it for my family and I called it an oral history And on that day, March the 11th, to be exact, 2011, I did parts one and two. I did part three on January the 16th, about six years later, in the year 2017. And then I did part four just last year, on June the 23rd, 2022. I don't think I've shared part four with my family yet, so I need to get on that. But I've shared... I've shared parts one through three for sure, and I'm going to share part four. And I don't know. These are, they, they vary in length. They're all over an hour. And it, it's exactly what I labeled it. It's an oral history. Now, those of you that have been here for a long, long time, and thank you, first of all. Leaning Toward Wisdom, you very well know, began as what I kind of call a legacy project where I was just trying to pass some things on. I thought, well, when I'm dead, my family, they'll, they'll click play. And it, was, it wasn't it was so much a documentary in terms of it being kind of a diary. It was more of a documentary just like, well, just like the title says, Leaning Toward Wisdom. It's just here's some things that I've learned. Here's some things that my foolishness has taught me. And I want this to benefit somebody besides just me. Along the way, happy accident. You came into the fold, and I'm glad you did. Now, if you go back about 20 years ago, I crafted a document for the first time, and I titled the document, When I Die. And in this document, I outlined in some detail what I most wanted to happen when I die. And this document was, it was a number of pages long. I would regularly go in, I would change, and I would edit that document. And very often it was because somebody in my life had died. And, of course, when somebody dies, we start thinking kind of about our own death. The death of close friends, well, that would spark even greater editing. And sometimes the events of life, sometimes there would be some dramatic events in life that might would alter the document. And so as my life changed... The document has changed. The most dramatic changes came to the document in the fall of 2018. It was the absolute darkest time of my life. It remains the darkest time of my life. And the document, the doc, the document in 
before the fall of 2018 and the document after the fall of 2018, dramatically different. <laughs> I mean, very, very different. And it remains in the latter form of that today. Since the fall of 2018, I've really, I would describe it mostly as tweaking. You know, a little bit of refining here and there, a little bit, okay, I'm going to take this out, I'm going to add this thing in, but nothing really big. Now, I'm not talking about a document that is a will. I'm not talking about a document that outlines, here's who I want to get what. That's been settled for years and years and years. Rhonda and I took care of that a long, long time ago. She gets everything. (laughs) Lock, stock, and smoke and barrel. Now, this document is, well, think funeral. Okay, well, how, how, what do you want to have happen when it comes to that kind of stuff? Now, in addition to that, I do have another doc, and you need to think about this. I don't mean in some morbid way, but come on. It's the reason that I, I titled it today, When I Die, comma, when I, While I'm Alive. While we are alive, we need to be doing these things. Ron and I have had a conversation. We... We bought some burial plots, and we bought them from a woman that we went to church with who has since passed on. Her husband passed away, and this was part part of kind of what she did. She would sell kind of funeral arrangements, and so Rhonda sat down with her, and I just said, just handle it. I don't care. I mean, like, like I'm going to care. Just pick something. Do whatever. The thought was, well, let's go ahead and prearrange this, prepay everything, and just then it's it's not going to be problematic for the family. Good idea. Brilliant idea. Wise thing to do. And so she did. This woman who sold her, you know, the funeral package, I'll call it, passed away without any preparation for her own funeral. It just blew our mind. I'm not judging her, mind you. It just it just seems very strange to me that somebody who this is their business. I mean this is this is a woman who firsthand experienced people who had not and I'm come on. I I have friends and acquaintances who have buried children. That's a different I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us that are older, those of us that are getting long in the tooth, to not take care of this to me, this is just me, just seems colossally foolish. And this woman was many years our senior, and I'm like, how, how does that happen? How, how, do you, how do you sell this to somebody else, and then you, you just don't take the time to do it for your own family? It's kind of baffling to me, but... You might be in that position, not that you're selling plans and you're not doing it, but maybe you've given it no thought at all. I'm not telling you to do anything, but I would encourage you to think about it. I would encourage you to think about what your family may have to endure, especially during an hour that will not be their bright, shining moment. Do we want to add to that grief? Do we want to add to that burden? I went back and I tweaked this document when I die back in July. Back in July, I lost my fourth 
I affectionately called them my old men. I had four old men in my life, three of whom had already passed away, and this man was the last man standing. And so on July the 10th, 2023, I wrote, I wrote a post in Facebook entitled The Last Man Standing. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to repost it at, at my website. So if you want to go to leaningtowardwisdom.com, just find the episode When I Die when, While I'm Alive. You can read it at your leisure. And then below that, because I included this in the Facebook post, I had sat down with this man in my home back in 2013. He was a preacher. All four of these old men, by the way, were preachers. And they were all friends. And the last two men standing were pretty close friends. I would I would describe them all as pretty close friends. But these two guys, they they did quite a bit of work together. And there's a photograph that I set this conversation that I'd had back in 2013 with this last man standing. There's a photograph of the last two men standing. And then the audio is beneath the photograph. I'm going to include all that over on the website if you're curious enough to go find out. So his name was Don. And when Don passed away, it, of course, provoked me to go back and revisit my document yet again when I die. Now, this document is, think about, think of funeral arrangement kind of a thing. It's not, again, it's not a last will. But there's also then some practical stuff. I've got a lot of moving parts to my life, just like you do. And some of the moving parts that I have include this podcast and other podcasts, and it includes this website, leaningtowardwisdom.com, and other websites. How are you going to get into those? If I'm not here, nobody else, nobody pilots these websites besides me. I, nobody in my family knows how to pilot any of these websites besides me. But... If they're going to get somebody to help them, they need access. And it could be very easy for them to throw their hands up and go, well, we don't even know how to get into this thing. Yeah, you do. Because I've got it documented. Not only that, but you need to think about your social media profiles. I've got friends that passed away. Their social media profiles are still up. And that's fine. I'm not poo-pooing that but there are people their birthday comes around and there are people who they have no clue that these people are have are die have died in fact some of them have been dead for a long time and they continue to get happy birthday wishes from people who i guarantee have no idea that they're not here <laughs> there's something kind of funny about that to me and i'm not saying that you don't want to set it up that way Right? I mean, it's a pretty good bit, except these people, they're not, they're not doing a bit. It's just real. You know that you can go into these social media platforms and you can set up and give authorization for somebody, particularly a family member, access to your accounts so that if and when you do pass, somebody can get in and they can shut it down. They can... You know, I think it'd be a great bit to just go ahead and authorize, like my son, 
So he could just continue to post. And then people would really be baffled. It's like, well, we, we know he died. He, he, didn't he die? I, I saw that he posted again this morning. What, you know, he's posting all the time. I'm thinking about it. I'm giving it real serious thought. I just, I've only got one problem and that's talking my son into doing it because, well, he does some social media for his work, but you know, he's not that guy. I need somebody that's probably a little more in love with social media to do that. So I, I wonder, would that be a service? You think you could sell that? What if you, what if you could sell, keep your loved one alive on social media? And we'll just charge you a small monthly amount. You know, we'll take a look at their past feed. We'll see what kind of stuff they posted and we'll just keep that going. How about we just keep that going? That would be problematic if all the person posted were personal photographs and that kind of stuff, which I've, I've never done just a smattering, but like cartoons, I do a bunch of cartoon stuff. I do a bunch of Ballard street Herman and that kind. So somebody could keep that going and nobody would be the wiser. I wonder if there's a market for that. Probably not. You probably couldn't get enough to make it worth your while anyway. But it, it's a good it's a good thought and puts a smile on my face to think about, especially if it's been years. And they're like, didn't he die like five years ago? I mean, man, it's just there's just this constant posting. I, and and for nobody to have a clue who's doing it, it'd be I think it'd be great. I'd. I may get on that. So forget I ever said anything to you about that. Now, Ron and I sold the house back in March, the house that we had called home for 25 years. And this is another thing of kind of while I'm alive. Cause when we die, okay, well, we're not gonna be able to take care of it then. So we got to do it while we're alive. And that's kind of the whole point. So back in March, we sell the house. Well, okay, we closed on the house and exited, got out of the house. Prior to that, we did this purging. I've talked about it, so I'm not going to revisit all that here. But for me, there were really two motives behind the purging. One was to not impose that on family, kind of like my When I Die document, to have some things in place so that people aren't just left scratching their head wondering we have not got a clue where to even begin with these websites and this podcast and that podcast and we don't know where anything is online we don't know where anything is as far as the hard drive goes yeah they do i've i've documented it all and i've documented people that they can contact to help now if if my list of contacts if if a bunch of those people die before I can change and edit the, the document, they might be in a little bit of trouble. But I've put multiple contact people, names, phone numbers, email addresses, and so forth, and these are the people who can help you. So if Rhonda calls you, you'll know you made the list. So there's that. Back to the house and the purging. I had two reasons, two motives that I wanted to do it. One, I didn't want it. I just didn't want family inheriting all this junk and having to deal with it. I have had so many conversations, particularly with wives whose husbands passed away and left them with mounds and mounds of paperwork and just stuff. 
wives who didn't have any idea where the money was, what state the finances were in, no idea where anything is, and piles and piles of what appeared to be just rubbish. And I'm like, no, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. So that was one motive. The second was, I've told you this so many times I can't remember, practical minimalism. I just, these things that are primary, these things that I just absolutely positively need and really want and use, okay, they make the list. They stay. There's this secondary group of things. Okay, well, maybe some of those stay, but most don't. And then there's that, they, they're they not tier one, they're not tier two. Okay, well, then they go. They just go. Where they go, don't care. Got value, sell it if we want to, donate it, or throw it away. Only one of three options. Sell it, donate it, or throw it away. And so we did. I jokingly you know, told my son, I said, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, so now, now we die, you're you're going to have a whole lot less work to do. But when you stop and think about it, yes, it's an act of consideration and love. I, I don't want, I don't want him doing that. I don't want him saddled with that. Why would I want that? So a lot of this for me just stemmed from the belief. So part of the leaning toward wisdom for me was it's, it just seems colossally selfish just absolutely selfish to not prepare for our death while we are alive. I mean, for us to stick our head in the sand and to avoid thinking about it and to avoid doing something about it, to avoid creating even a basic rudimentary document that could help our loved ones navigate life after our passing just seems colossally selfish and foolish. Now, I get that sudden things can happen. I realize that, you know, for many people, death is not just this slow slope. For many people, it's in an instant. I I get that. And I also understand the difference in ages. So 20 years ago, give or take, I'm in my 40s. I'm I'm mid-40s. When I first created the document, should I have created the document 10 years before, 20 years before? Yeah, probably. Probably would have been more important then than it is now. Now, I survived, so there's that. But what if I hadn't? Do you ever think about the close calls you've had in life? Yeah, me too. I mean, think of how many close calls you've had in life. Think about... When you live in a place like Dallas Fort Worth, you just all the traffic and all the driving that we do, and I think about all the close calls in the car. Yeah. So can you be too young and not think about this and not do this? I don't know. I don't know. Can you be too old? No, I think the prerequisite here is while I'm alive. While I'm alive, while I'm alive, I need to think about these things. And then, of course, that began to take hold, and I began to continue to think about it and and think about 
not just when I die, but okay, while I'm alive and what do I want life to be like? And I'm getting to that point. And I've told you this, I've alluded to this, especially over the last recent months of, I don't know. It sounds tried. I'm going to use it anyway, you know, kind of reinventing yourself. If you think that you can get too old to reinvent yourself, I think you're crazy. Cause I, I think as long as you're alive, you can, you can reinvent yourself and by reinvention, it could be whatever you think it needs to be. It could be a complete different thing. It could be a tweaking just like my, when I die document, there've been times when I just pretty much burned it to the ground and started over. Well, I didn't really, cause what I did in the fall of 2018 is I burned it to the ground and started it over in the sense that I eliminated probably 95% of it. And then I really refined the remaining 5%. Well, that's a pretty dramatic reinvention. And maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know. It's your life. It's your call. It may be that you reach a point where like now between say September, October of 2018. And now it hasn't been that I ha- I haven't burned this thing to the ground and started over since then. I've just kind of really refined it. And some of the editing has been relatively minor. Some of it has been updating some things. For instance, in part of the document where I've talked about where websites are hosted. Okay. Well, I've changed some hosting over the last 20 years. So some of those technical things that I would want my family to have access to, I've had to keep those up to date. And it may be, maybe that's where your life's at. You just need to do a little bit, a little bit of updating, whatever that looks like. And however you feel about it, it is what it is for me. As we're sloping toward the close of 20, 23, I'm thinking a lot more. I've been thinking for the last two to three years, but I'm thinking a lot more. Okay. While I'm alive, while I'm alive, I know death is out there somewhere in the future. I can hope that it's a long ways off, but I don't know. But while I'm alive, what do I want to do? And it really speaks to how time is spent. How is time going to be spent? What am I going to be doing? How am I going to be doing it? Why am I going to be doing it? And I'm thinking about all those things. And I absolutely would encourage you to be thinking about those things. Now for me, I mean, let's start, let's just start with the priorities. And this is, this is me. These are my priorities. They may not be your priorities, but see if you can't distill from this something and make application in your own situation in your own life. For me, God's at the forefront because he deserves to be. And because eternity changes everything. So while I'm alive, what do I want to do? Well, I've given sober thought to that most of my life. And especially in the last two to three years and thought, okay, what does that look like? Where, where are my strengths? What are my natural default talents and abilities where I can contribute and help other people? 
Well, I'm, I'm pretty clear on that. At this point in my life, I'm, I'm, in fact, I will tell you, I'm, I'm incredibly clear on that because I'm the guy who loves deep conversation. I'm the guy who really enjoys private, confidential, deep conversations where I can just sit and listen and perhaps ask questions and help somebody see more clearly whatever it is that they're facing. I love, 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 love singular conversations one-on-one that go deep and that are all about the other person's life. I love it, love it, love it. I can't describe it. I can't fully articulate it. I'm just telling you the truth. I love it. And before you judge and go, oh, well, aren't you so? No, it's not about that. It's just, a, it's just about the energy that it gives me. I can't explain it. I've been, the, I've been this way as long as I can remember. So I'm leaning hard into that because I'm good at it. I'm good at it. I don't mind telling you. I'm good at it. Uh, better yet, I'm great at it. <laughs> I, I'm not very good at hardly anything. But I'm really, really good at that. At listening and at helping people and challenging people in a caring way because it is not difficult at all for me to sit down with somebody, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's in real life, and to absolutely positively want what's best for them. That is not difficult. So while I'm alive, I want to do as much of that as I can, as much as people are willing to let me do. And that's in the context of God, first and foremost. It's in the context of, okay, so spiritually, can we help each other? Can I contribute in some way, large or small, to help somebody grow closer to God? It's important. In my opinion, my belief, it's the most important thing. And then there's all kinds of things that emanate from that. While I'm alive, what do I want my prayer habits to look like? What do I want my Bible reading habits to look like? What do I want my worship habits to look like? What do I want anything that you could deem as service to God? What do you want that to look like? Because you and I both know it's only going to look like what you decide it's going to look like. Because you're not going to do something different than what you decide. And the time to do that's while we're alive. Secondly is relationships and mostly family. I've gone on record and told you there are 10 of us in the tribe, including me and Rhonda. Five of the tribe, five out of the 10 are kids. And these are the important people in my life. Yes, you matter. I care about you. But I don't care about you more than I care about my tribe. Sorry. It's just how it goes. So when I think about these nine people in my tribe, I think, okay, how can I deepen, how can I deepen and improve these relationships? What can I do? Not in, in, in some imposing way, not in some manipulative way, but what can I do to foster deeper relationships? Relationships where they know how much they matter to me and where I make myself more valuable to them. Now, I can hear some of you go, well, wait a minute. So relationships are all about what you can do for somebody, what somebody can do for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, it's the value that we bring to one another's life. Just my sheer existence or my presence, it could be detrimental. Have you got anybody in your life? Have you ever had anybody in your life that was detrimental? 
Have you ever had anybody in your life that having a relationship with them was harmful to you and maybe even to them? Yeah. Okay, so we don't want to do that. We don't want to be a drain on other people. We don't want to be a burden on other people. We want to be a value. We want to value. We want to add value to the lives of the people that that we impact and influence. And that's that's kind of the whole point of the relationship. And conversely, we want them. Yeah, we want it reciprocal. They add value to us. We are made better because of them. They are made better because of us. We serve one another. That's kind of the point. How can we better do that? What can we do to enhance that and improve that? Well, we can think of all kinds of things that we can do that won't improve it. Husband, wife, they're off at work all day. They come home and immediately, you know, they sequester themselves to separate parts of the house. They're on their mobile devices they're in their own thing. They don't spend any time together. They don't spend any time communicating, talking with one another. You know, maybe there's some signs of affection every now and again, but not much. You going to make a really positive prediction about that marriage? Yeah, me neither. But it seems to be the habit of an awful lot of people. I mean, I, I keep seeing this little meme, and it, 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 it's just so stinking true. If we would touch our spouse, as much as we touch our phone, what kind of a marriage would we have? I mean, just that little thing right there. Just let that sink in. If we touched our spouse as much as we touch our phone, would our marriage be better? Yeah. How could it not? How could it not? So I think about these relationships and I think about, okay, and I don't come at it from thinking, okay, Here's what I need them to do. No, I come at it from what do they what do they most need me to do that I'm able to do? And the relationships are different. The relationship with the kids are different because the kids are wired differently. And we've got to take that into account. It's not one size fits all because I could approach these nine people and go, well, this is what I need to be uh, for all of them. No, I got news for you. I need to be I need to be. I need to be somebody different, and I don't mean by that that I need to be a different person or a different personality. It's just the way I go about it needs to be different for one than it is for another. Or I could be completely self-centered, and I could say, well, I'm just going to roll the way I roll, and they're all just going to have to get on board. Okay, that's the best way I could serve them? I don't think so. I'll give you for instance. So the granddaughter, I've only got one granddaughter. Now, she's kind of cat-like, pretty aloof, not, not, not so much a, a hugger or a touch-me kind of a person, and not that I don't want to, but I know that that's how she's wired. So I don't go, you know, I'm not the grandparent, come on, give me a hug, give me a hug. You know, I'm not, no, I, I'm trying to be for her what I feel like she needs me to be for her. It's not about me. It's about her. What can I do in service to her? I'm not at all put off or offended by that. Now, the boys, and there's four of them, they too are wired differently. But some are way more affectionate or touchy 
than the others. Not touchy and that don't touch me, but touchy and that, hey, it's okay. You know, give me a hug. Now, as they get older, you notice that these things change. Right? The little the little kids, I mean, it's just a full-on, full-bore bear hug. And then as the boys get older, it's more the bro, the side hug. I'm not offended by that. I'm, I'm morphing. I'm adapting. Why? Because I want to? No, because it's what they need. It's what they want. I want to be valuable to them. And you realize that as the kids get older, once they certainly hit teen years, you're just less important. You just are as a grandparent. I'm not offended by that. That's natural, and that's how it ought to be. I Frankly, I'd be kind of worried if it weren't that way. Wouldn't you? I mean, I, I don't want to be... The, my, I don't want to be any of my grandkids' best friend. That's just not my role. Now, they all call me Papa, and that's my role. My role is my role's Papa. And whatever that needs to be for one, that may be slightly different for some of the others. But I got to be busy working on that while I'm alive. So these relationships, that's number two. Number three is me, my work, my career, my ambitions, anything that would be in the bucket that I would label me. And so much of that begins with the work. So much of that begins with, say, coaching. And I'm, I'm cutting dramatically back. The ambition is, is really strong, but it's strong in a really specific area, which is why for the last number of years, I have gravitated toward only serving city government leadership. You can find out more by going to the website growgreat.com. And I've got a co-host with that podcast, and I'm, I'm all in. And she knows this, by the way. This is not a new revelation. I told her this some months ago. I'm, I'm, I'm really pushing all of my professional chips into, into the center of that table. And I'm doing it because I want to. I want to make some money. I need to make some money. But I can also afford to be picky about who I serve. And I've determined this is a group that I want to serve. And we're going about putting some things into place for how I can best do that. And a big part of that for me is to help organizations, specifically help city municipalities, figure out how can we how can we better train our people? How can we prepare our emerging leaders to become really great leaders? And how can we help our present leaders grow even greater? That's the work because I want to do that while I'm alive. Secondarily, I've got this podcast about the place that I love, Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. You can find that at HSV. That just stands for Hot Springs Village. HSVinsideout.com. And that podcast, I would put that as the second accomplishment priority. And so working to really improve that show, working to kind of reconnoiter that show in ways that will make it better and more profitable for our audience and our sponsors. Yes, we have sponsors. Yes, it's a podcast that we monetize. No, it's not get rich money, but 
it's something and it's not anything to sneeze at. And we want to do a good job for our sponsors and we want to do a good job for the community. And I'm elevating the standard by which we operate. It's important. It's important work. And one a, so the coaching stuff is number one, the HSV inside out.com is kind of number two, but then there's one a and one a trumps them all. And that is I've got work to do. I've got accomplishments that I need to make as it relates to basically some work with the very number one priority. And that's God. I do some work, some online work to support a work that you can find at let the Bible speak.tv volunteer stuff. And I spend hours with it and I'm happy to do it because it's important work. I believe in it. I believe in the people behind it. I believe in the preacher who produces it. And so there's that. And those really are the three, those are the three big things when it comes to me that are outside the scope. Okay. Not quite fully outside the scope. I mean, that one a and my number one priority go hand in hand, but it's God, it's family and it's me. And then it's these things that I want to accomplish. And if I don't set out to accomplish those things while I'm alive, then when do I think I'm going to get a chance to do these things? So we realize that we're mortal there's a day coming. I don't know when it is. I don't know how far off it is. I don't know what the circumstances of it will be, but there is a day coming for me, for you, for all of us. What are we going to do with the time that we have? I mean, that really is the question of the hour. What are we going to do with the time that we have? And who's going to decide what we do with that time? And what's our impact going to be? Do you ever think about legacy? I will sit across from leaders in coaching and I will ask people about this. And some of the answers that I get are, are pretty baffling to me, frankly. I would tell you that a large chunk of people, way more than I would have ever predicted, but now that I've had 13 or so years in doing this and, and I've asked it so many times, I, I'm, I'm no longer quite as baffled by it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I am. I'll ask about legacy. What do you think about legacy? I don't know the percentage, but I will tell you that in an, to me, an inordinate number say, well, I don't think about it. I've, I've never thought about it. I just, I find that just jaw dropping <laughs> because I can't remember a time when I didn't think about it. And so then I'll have to very quickly say, okay, well, let, let's, let's talk about the meaning. When I say legacy, what do you think? Now, there's a decent chunk of people who they're not thinking what I'm thinking. I've encountered, especially over the last three, four years, I've encountered more people who think that legacy is like bragging on yourself. I, I'm not, I don't have no clue where this came from, but somebody must be out there preaching this. Somebody must be listening to something. They're influenced by something that's making them co correlate legacy with self-promotion. I, that, it's, they're not even in the same universe for me. I, I don't, I've probed, I've tried to find out what, why, why, why do you think that? And I, I don't know. That's just kind of what I've always thought. And I'm like, that's coming from somewhere. Who is, who's preaching that message? We need to track them down and shut them up. 
I said, no, that I don't mean that at all. It's not bragging on yourself. It's not patting yourself on the back. Legacy is impact, influence that outlives you. I mean, are you telling are you telling me that you if you drop dead right now, you kind of just hope the whole world forgets about you? Well, nobody'll say yes to that. But I'm rather I'm rather puzzled at the number of people that legacy just they don't think about it. And then you find people on the other end of the spectrum, probably closer to where I'm at, pretty fixated on it. And the interesting thing to me is those of us that seem pretty fixated on it, we're not fi- fixated on, okay, what are they going to think about me? It's not that. It's what am I going to be able to do to be missed? What am I going to be able to do that's so valuable they're going to miss me when I'm gone? Do you hear the difference in those? I mean, one just seems incredibly self-serving. Like, I want to be famous and I want, you know, I want the whole world to stomp down. I want the whole world to want to come to my funeral. No. No, that ain't it at all. I don't want to die one day and have people wake up the next day and go, oh, he's, he, he's not here? <laughs> I mean, how sad would that be? I don't know any human that wants that. Well, guess what? There's only one time frame when we can do something about that, and that's while I'm alive. You feeling like you got homework now? Good. I'm not giving it to you, but I'm not going to lie to you. Kind of hoping that you would give yourself some homework. Some things to think about. I get fixated on these things, and like I said, mostly when a death occurs, and that's probably true for you too. Every time somebody tells me about having gone to a funeral, it invariably turns into some conversation about death that otherwise both of us know we wouldn't be having except for the fact that one of us or both of us had a funeral in the recent past. So if you're anti-funeral, they do that. They at least serve that purpose. I'm kind of anti-funeral too, by the way. When I die, while I'm alive. I'm tapped out. I don't think I've got any more to say. So I'm going to say thank you for clicking play. Thank you for being part of my tribe at Leaning Toward Wisdom. Some big things are afoot. Well, they're big for me. Just some big changes. These things happen as you get older. And they're all terribly exciting, by the way. There's nothing depressing about any of it. But I'm excited about getting to the next level. I'm excited about growth and improvement and achievement. And I guess I'm behaving with some sense of urgency that I've, I've always kind of felt it, but the older you get, the more you feel it because you do realize time's a-wasting. 
you know, and once you've got one foot out the window, you know that the other foot's coming quickly behind it, and then the window's going to close. So there's that. <laughs> so we got to make we got to make use of the time that we've got. It's impractical to think that we're going to make the greatest use of every day of our life. We're not. We're going to waste time. We're going to waste days. We just are. But it doesn't mean that we can't behave with greater intention and greater purpose and do better. Just always do better. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.